We who are about to die salute you. It's Maury Turry Monday, episode six. Chris and Chris are here to take a look at the sixth issue of our favorite comic book, Strike Force Maury Turry. Uh, and uh, you can find this program most Mondays at chrisandreggie.com and all over the place where there's noise and, uh, you know, social places where we share things with noise. So how are you this week? Well, I am. I am fine, sir. I'm glad we both made it to episode six, which is a uh, which is a feat in itself. And I will like to call out your stirring pronunciation of Mori Turi. I appreciate that. I, I it's I've been practicing all week. I've been doing like uh, tongue lunges, and it's uh, <laughs> you know I, I do it when I'm when I'm driving and when I get to like a red light. And uh, I've I've been pulled over a bunch of times since for uh, for lewd and lascivious <laughs> conduct in public. I've, I've I've heard that about you. Like this, the most striking thing about you is is the tongue. Man, that guy's got some tongue on him. It's true. It's true. It's, it's too big for my mouth, and it makes me say things funny. And it's uh, it's it's actually a rather tragic thing. But uh, but we live, we live we live with it. That's your secret moratory power. It is. It is tongue. It is indeed. <laughs> the tongue that makes me not able to talk good. But uh, we've got our sixth episode covering our sixth issue and uh some might look at this one as like the end of an arc kinda but uh you know we'll we'll get there i think uh if we were to ever bundle our episodes into a trade paperback or trade audio format uh it would probably be the first six i think uh absolutely because uh, this one is going to be a biggie and uh we hope you've been enjoying what we've been doing so far because uh, the tone might be about to change here. Uh, do you want to kick us off with uh, some credits and uh, maybe a little synopsis? Sure. It's almost like we've been podcasting for the trade, Chris. <laughs> That's no, There's no such thing as podcasting for the trade. It's all in your head. Wait a minute. <laughs> anyway, this is Strike Force Moratory, number six, May, uh, cover date of May 1987. This one is titled Foray for Hollywood, and it's written by Peter B. Gillis, pencils by Brent Anderson, uh, inks by Scott Williams, letters by Jim Novak, uh, colors by Max Scheel, editor Carl Potts, the chief is the chief of chiefs, Mr. Jim Shooter. Cover price is 75 cents U.S. of A. and a total blinding ripoff of 95 cents Canadian. (laughs) (laughs) This was actually released January 27th, 1987. So right after after Christmas when we're all broke, I still managed to pick this one up because I'm a champ. (laughs) Uh, The synopsis on this one is basically uh, what will become of the first generation of moratory champions of mankind now that even more amazing second generation of superpowered human warriors is ready to battle the alien horde Uh, for strike force moratory whose members are fated to die within a year. Retirement is impossible, but a claim is 
or is it uh, a claim is not or is it hmm. uh, no, just a little little starter precursor to our conversation here. Just want to uh, talk about those who are not aware of our little moratory program where you too can sign up for the moratory process as part of Moratory Mondays. We have a little certificate program that we've been mm-hmm. – uh, uh, we've already got a few members that are, are interacting with us and they've already received their certificate via the email, a printable little membership uh, certificate. Uh, with Not only do you get a certificate, but you get a brand new code name and uh, yes and you get a set of powers which are all personalized to you their uh, our valued listener mm-hmm. uh, just provide us with an email address and uh, you'll get that dropped off in your old email box now we want to touch base with our uh, recruits because uh, you know they were introduced to the moratory process last time um, now our three recruits do you remember their names Chris I do we have a uh, lock shot we got yep. Force Field and we got Med, M-E-D. Yes, indeed. Now, they are about to go through the garden, which is Uh-oh. basically their danger room. Now, a little thing happened along the way where we had Lockshot actually get into an argument with the commander. Now, Lockshot oh, is actually... Yes. She's a pain. She's a pain in the uh, asshole. Anyway, <laughs> now, <laughs> now he's been held back, and he's actually in one of the uh, – he's up in the observing room, and he has to watch his good buddies, Med and Forcefield, actually tackle the garden on their own. So mm-hmm. interesting, almost similar to what happened before. It's true. Now, now, we leave our team inside the garden, and all systems are locking on our new recruits. So we'll have to tune in next week to see if they survive the garden. Oh man! So Sheehan, what's Ugh. what's this what's this book all about? Tell us all okay. about issue six. Well, we're foraying for Hollywood here, and uh, we actually open at New Haven, which is that uh, research institute where Doctor Sulima does his thing, and uh, that's a place that Harold uh, compared to a to a graveyard <laughs> very early on. <laughs> and, and it is; it's a cemetery uh, of epic proportions. It's true. Now, Doctor Sulima's got many roles here. However, today. He's playing the role of the bad-tempered coach. He shouts at the second geners for their lazing around. Uh, because, I guess, rather than working on their fitness, they're, in his words, chattering like monkeys. Now, now in Newfoundland, we call yelling. Now, this is your first uh, first step in Newfoundlandese, okay? Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. when someone is yelling, it's called balling at them. Hmm. You can't that go balling a, at them. You can't go that, balling at them. That might have a different meaning. That might have a couple of different meanings down here. <laughs> anyway, chattering like monkeys. Keep on going. They are chattering like monkeys, but the art really doesn't show that. It actually looks like they're legitimately training. You know, they're actually working on their 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 you know power set here. And uh, this is where we meet those three newbies that uh, we only saw them from behind last issue, I believe. Yep. And we've got. Pilar Lisu, Lisu. <laughs> well, she appears to have some sort of acrobatic power. She's running up the side of a wall, basically. Uh, we've got Ruth Masterson, who's lifting some immensely heavy-looking weights, and we got Will Deguchi. <laughs> Will oh. the, the douchey. <laughs> very, very uh, yes, very, very apt because uh, 
Oh man, you sent me before we started on this one. You sent me the picture. And you're like, I hate this guy already. And <laughs> oh my goodness, man, he he's got like the dumbest looking ball haircut this side of Guy Gardner. Oh yeah, like, I mean it's he, far worse than he makes Guy look like a like a runway supermodel with the absolutely. Haircut. It's just awful, and he's got like this skinny predatory mustache. Oh yeah, listen, skinny. We know all about skinny mustaches. We've talked about this in past we episodes. Have. We yep, have. You are you you are a predator if you wear that. <laughs> You need to take a seat if you're wearing that mustache. But uh, and and it also looks like he's like four foot tall. I mean, uh, Doctor yeah. Tulima just towers over this guy, and and he's just like this nerdy little dude. I just I hate him. just looking at him. I, I don't like him. <laughs> he's just that one guy that you just want the pro the process to just kill instantly. And you know I don't remember a whole lot about the back half of this, and, I, and I'm thinking like this guy's gonna make it to the end, isn't he? He's he's gonna be with us forever. <laughs> he's but, built for the red shirt, brother. He's built for the red shirt. <laughs> Hopefully we can find one that fits him. He's tiny. But uh, now Pilar, she's running up the side of the gymnasium wall and flipping uh, from like hanging ring to hanging ring. She's like doing some acrobatic finesse there. Uh, she asks uh, the doc to if she could take a break. And Tulima, it's like weird. The, there's like a little dissonance between the art and the writing here. He like does like the talk to the hand gesture, but yes. he's like he's like yeah you can go, but he's like holding up his hand to her face. It looks very dismissive, but he's like yeah go ahead. Um, so it's like we're getting some sort of mixed messages here between it's, the, it's, art it's, and the writing. Yeah, the, yeah, literally, and we we saw that in other issues as well. So I mean, right at the beginning of this issue, he's yelling at the recruits for chattering. For yeah. He, meanwhile, they're like busting their high knee trying to <laughs> trying to work out and again he does the talk to the hand and they're actually taking a break so i, I don't know there's definitely a disconnect now the doc pulls the gucci aside or the douchey aside and uh, <laughs> he gives him he gives him a very similar chat that beth neon gave to our man harold way back in issue one you know that one where it's like you know the door's right over there if you want to go home you know you can you can leave <laughs> uh, but here's your uh, last warning <laughs> but Deguchi, like Harold before him, states that he's made up his mind. He's all in on being all dead. <laughs> so he is, <laughs> with, he is with the purpose forever. Uh, now, this facilitates a little bit of an exposition dump, which is helpful for readers new to the series. I, I like it when they come up with, you know, creative ways to give an expositional dump rather than just explaining things at us and giving us paragraphs uh, worth yeah. of, uh, you know, expl- explanatory sort of stuff. Now, they watch a film, you know, just like Harold did, uh, a little bit about the Horde, you know, and the lengths that humanity is willing to go to in order to fight back the Horde. We see a little bit about the Black Watch, followed by brief bios of each of our current or more recent strike forces. And uh, this is where we actually get it. This might be the first time we actually get like a quick and dirty on their powers, you know. Yes. Uh, we've got Harold Everson, a.k.a. Viking. He has the ability to reroute energy and to psionically locate his teammates. Ooh, I forgot about his location powers. Right? Like I a, forgot all about it, too. He's like a trackable GPS, this guy. He is. He is. And he hooks up to that VVCom, and it's, it's, <laughs> he, he, he's the next best thing to a Garmin Navi or Nuvi or whatever they are. Uh, now, <laughs> hmm? The original podcaster, Harold Everson. He is. He is. He, him and Bo Smith are uh, recording their <laughs> thoughts. Now, uh, Jaylene Anderson, a.k.a. Adept, she has the ability to analyze any substance or device given enough time. And I like that they include device because that will come into play later on this Absolutely. issue. Absolutely. Yep, absolutely. 
Now we have Robert Greenbaum, a.k.a. Marathon. Uh, and strength builds from minute to minute as long as he refrains from using it, which is a power that I, I didn't realize that that was part of it. I didn't realize I didn't that there's a string no, attached to it. Nope. Yeah, and I think I might be actually pronouncing his name wrong, too. I think he might be Greenbaum, but I say Greenbaum. Oh, no, no. He's definitely Green. If he's Greenbaum, then I resist. <laughs> <laughs> Me too, because <laughs> I can't make my mouth make that shape. Uh, now, <laughs> Aileen gets a middle initial, Aileen L. Pagravina. I don't know why there's an L in there. I don't know why they had to include it here, but uh, she is a.k.a. Blackthorn, and her power is that she can, con- she can dissolve the molecular bonds of any substance at a touch. So she touches something, it falls apart, it melts. And then we have Louis Arminetti, a.k.a. Radium. He can Daz- emit... Dazzler. Yes, he can, he's very, very close to Dazzler. Like Dazzler and Freddie Mercury had a kid. Uh, this is a guy who can, can who can emit electromagnetic radiation along the full range of the spectrum. And, of course, we get a little bit about Lorna Patterson, who I think had a different last name last issue. She was like Lorna Redburn, I think. But, uh, okay. but now she's Lorna, Lorna Patterson, uh, a.k.a. Snapdragon. And you know, Maybe, maybe she was married before. and you know She might have been. We could win a no prize. We could. <laughs> now, nobody cares about her powers because she did. Uh, now, Will watches the footage <laughs> of Lorna falling prey to the process and vaporizing. And this gets a, oh, my God, out of the man. And uh, T- Tulima wonders to himself if he'll remember all of his soldiers, all of his children, as fireballs on film. Wow. Which... Yeah, that, that, that's like the I think that's the VHS that comes with like a subscription to Sports Illustrated. Fireballs on film. <laughs> Fire, fireballs on film. Of SI. <laughs> fireballs and follies on film. <laughs> starring <laughs> starring Dorf from Dorf on Golf. <laughs> oh, Lord, I hate that guy. <laughs> is that Tim Conway? Oh, yeah. Tim Conway oh, is oh, Dorf. You, you haven't you haven't seen uh, funny and hilarity until you've seen Dorf. <laughs> And then you still haven't. But, uh, because, because midgets are funny people. That's what we've learned in the 80s, even though we're not allowed to say that word anymore. It's true. It's true. Yes. Now, back at Moriturri Mountain, uh, the place is being rocked by repeated thoom, thoom, thoom. And no, they're not under attack. This is just a case of Robert expressing his anger. He's Ooh. really not dealing well with the loss of, lo- the loss of Lorna. Harold and Commander Bethneon are trying to have a discussion, but they're having trouble keeping the keeping track of it over the sounds of the foam, foam, foam. Now Harold suggests that the entire team is pretty much at the brink of going crackers, <laughs> and uh, I think he might be onto something. Absolutely. Now, now they're interrupted by Jaylene, who has similar worries, though hers are more focused on Aileen. She's worried that Aileen is going stir crazy and. Uh, she mentions that she's talking pretty constantly with the Morituri video star Guy Harding. Ooh, that suave Guy Harding with his with his mighty mustache. So he's got to be Louis uh, Arminetti, you know. He's got to be our Freddie Mercury lookalike. <laughs> uh, Beth <laughs> Beth Neon's all okay. So what are we supposed to do? And Jaylene suggests that Aileen be given a night out on the town, maybe a little R and R to you know find herself here. And uh, Harold immediately smells what Jaylene's cooking and decides to piggyback her idea. He says, hey, you know what? Screw just sending Aileen out. We all need a night out. 
Yes. And uh, Neon's like, you do realize you're fighting in a war, right? Maybe Man, it's not she, the best idea. She always rains on their parade. She doesn't give them a kill. She doesn't give them a moment to forget that they're going to be dead in a year. She doesn't give them a moment to forget about the hordes. Like, she is party pooper central, this woman. Big time, big time. And Harold reminds her, he's like, hey, you know what? We could be anywhere at a moment's notice via the Padilla network, which uh, I think we saw in action a little bit ago. But uh, Neon says she'll think about it. You know, she doesn't give a, a yes or a no, you know. Elsewhere in Morituri Mountain... Robert is beating the hell out of a like a punch pillow thingy, and his <laughs> his punches are hitting uh, hitting this pillow with uh, upwards of twenty five thousand psi, which uh, wow. I'm no engineer, but I think that's pretty hard. Uh, Aileen is watching him do this through a window, and she's thinking on all the recent changes that everyone has undergone and everyone has witnessed over the past several weeks. And uh, she compares her life before and after undergoing the Morituri process. And although her skin is cleared up and her bosom filled in, she's still very, <laughs> she's still very much alone. You know, she's still lonely. And she claims that when they all started up on this wild adventure, she found all the guys in the Strike Force to be cute. You know, they were all good-looking dudes, but not anymore. Now they just scare her. And, uh, yeah, you know, Robert is just beating the hell out of this pillow. So I can <laughs> I can see why she's a little nervous. Absolutely. Now, just then, Jaylene and Lewis pop in. Jaylene grabs Aileen and Lou grabs Bob. They all head up to meet with Beth Neon, who gives them all the night off. God bless she, her heart. She finally gave in. She finally's like, hey, you know, these poor kids are going to be dead soon. So why not send them out on a night on a town? And she says you're going to, and this is not me trying to say this in a stylized way. Uh, she says you're going to Los Angeles, Angeles, because that's what <laughs> Los Angeles is called in the far-flung future of Marvel Earth 1287. Boy, they were <laughs> now, they were they were stretching there. They were. I mean, you'd never know what they were talking about. Um, <laughs> and uh, also, as part of Los Angeles is Hollywood, which is no longer Hollywood. It's Hollywood, hmm. and. Uh, Upon hearing this information, Aileen just hugs the hell out of Beth. She is so happy and uh, ready to go to uh, to foray in Hollywood. Now, Harold, who is looking on this whole scene, he suddenly feels his powers fire up a little bit, and he begins to, quote, image on Beth. Now, this is concerning because as prior to this, he's only been able to image on his fellow Maury Turi. So it's weird that he's able to that he's feeling something coming from Beth. You know, it's a a bit of a mystery building here, perhaps. Now, Robert doesn't seem pleased about being pulled away from his punch pillow uh, <laughs> because I, I think it's like the first thing he's loved since Lorna passed. And they, they did have some some things in common. So what are you going to do now? We join the strike forces in Hollywood. And uh, as soon as their little craft lands, Aileen meets up with Guy Harding straight away. And he escorts the team into Extremo's nightclub. And I tell you what, I got really excited for a second because I thought he said they were going to Extraños nightclub. <laughs> and, uh, yes. I got some new Guardians, uh, uh, you know, feelings oh. in my heart here. I wanted to see <laughs> our main man, Extraño. 
Yikes. But, uh, <laughs> now, it's it's worth noting here, and this is an interesting uh, – we talked about fashion throughout the weeks here because these costumes are kind of funny looking. And, you know, Harold has that weird hairdo. It's – you know, we point out fashion sometimes. So on our Maury Turi fashion watch here, all the male members of the team, they look as though they raided Lorna's closet after she died because – they're all so low cut. They got th- these dudes are showing so much cleavage. They look like they raided like the Legion of Superheroes closet and like found like some castoffs from cosmic the plunging boy or necklines and oh, oh boy, boy, like right down to like the top of the pubic bone. <laughs> brutal. And they're, they're this isn't costumes. This this is their casual wear. <laughs> Well, well, listen, if we were built like tanks, like poor old Robert, I guess we would, too. Yeah, we would well, let it all hang out and dangle. There you go. Now, uh, Harold, uh, you know, Aileen grabs Guy and they run to the dance floor. She's like, I need to dance with you. Let's go. Harold asks Jaylene if she'd like to dance, but she turns him down. You know, she's uh, she's sensitive. She sees that Robert is not really feeling it. You know, he's looking very unhappy, looks out of place. So she instead asks him robert to go with her to the club's restaurant instead and he accepts he's like yeah cool we'll we'll go we'll go grab a bite to eat that jaylene she's so sensitive isn't she isn't she i mean maybe she's analyzing robert and she's figuring him out (laughs) i never thought of that you're exactly right (laughs) now harold who is now left all by his lonesome at the bar is approached by a woman who compliments that weird hair braid thing he's got going on she's like oh i really like that Boy, does she ever. (laughs) No, she invites him to dance, and uh, he's all about it. We jump from here to the club restaurant where Jaylene attempts to comfort Big Bobby. Well, I'm not sure if it's comfort or convert, because uh, she tries to get him to accept God into his life, and he says that, you know, I wish it were that easy. You know, it's, it's, you, you envy the people who can actually just put all their faith, and uh, he, he has problem doing so. Uh, we jump back to the dance floor where Aileen and Guy are cutting a rug under the spotlight, and uh, they make out a bit. It's it's funny. You look at this dance floor, and it's all darkened except for one spotlight. <laughs> so, it's, see, it's true. It's like the, <laughs> the, the light is on them. I guess, yep. and you know what? They are moratory, so maybe everything is under watch anyway. So maybe they are true. putting the spotlight on the moratory. You know how I would have wrote the scene? And I <laughs> guarantee you this is exactly what I would have had. I would have had Beth Neon accompany mm-hmm. the moratory with them and just be like their, uh, their chaperone their chaperone sort of thing <laughs> but you know, like in the wee hours it would have had like harold sort of ask her to dance and sort of try to break that wall down that's exactly what it would have done here that would have been great that yes. would have been great and then of course just when you you get almost that little connection then of course what happens, happens happens yes, yes. exactly now, uh, instead of that happening, we go to we go to the dance floor and we see Harold and uh, he's with his new date. And she has like basically the exact opposite hairstyle as he does, because he's got that weird braid in the front. But she has like this pronounced rat tail. So it's like they're <laughs> they're like yin and yang of really bad hairdos. It's pretty cool. Uh, they're dancing. They're talking. <laughs> and the funny thing is, she thinks he's Greg Mattingly, who we met a couple issues ago. He's the guy who plays Viking in the video series. So, uh, whoops. She doesn't realize she's got the real deal. Now, suddenly, our man's powers activate, and he's able to sense some nearby danger. And he gives uh, he gives this gal a kiss and rushes off the dance floor, and he calls his fellow Morituris into action. In so doing, uh, he forgets his little tape recorder device, his VVCom. Oh, uh, boy. Yeah, but Big Bobby, he manages to grab it on the way out. He's like, ah, there it is. I'll grab it. 
Now, the weird thing about this horde attack is that there were no alarms sounded. So it's it's almost as though the horde is not here for a fight. And that's because they're not here for a fight. They're actually only here in order to steal a bunch of film canisters, so they have some sort of way of passing the time, you know? <laughs> uh, we actually see them, like, wheeling out this big, uh, like, dolly full of uh, big film reels. And among them, we've got Plan 9 from Out of Space. we got Close Encounters of the Third Kind, Snow White. We're going to assume that's the Disney version. We've got Citizen Kane, The Wizard of Oz, E.T., and I, I think that one is Dr. Strangelove there. Yeah, you know you know what that strikes me about this list is mm. that, you know, you've got some definite, some classics there. Sure. And I think these are meant to be, like, movies that we should enjoy. But Iconic, yeah. Yeah, iconic movies. But, I mean, some of these iconic movies and, you know, Dr. Strangelove and Citizen Kane are a couple. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. so iconic and, you know, the watch by film students and all that stuff. And sure. Man, you know they're, they're not very good. I'm going to be honest with you. They must they must be a sign of the times, or maybe my uh, particular movie palette is not mm. as refined as it should be because I <laughs> I literally can't stand any both of those movies. I don't know about you. Have you seen them? Have you seen Doctor Strange Love or Citizen Kane? You know, I've seen Citizen Kane. Um, I saw that back in high school when I, I I tried being like a like one of the cliche film buffs, you know, and I, I tried yeah, watching me too. Like all those movies that they say you need to watch. And uh, Citizen Kane was like always on the top of the list because everyone's like, oh, that's the one you got to see. And it's it's dull. I mean, it's uh, and I, you know, I'm on record as having a problem sitting still for very long. So it might just be me. And that's what I always I always assume that if there's a situation where I'm against the hive mind that I'm automatically wrong. (laughs) Yes, <laughs> but uh, but I I really couldn't get into it, and there's a lot of those uh, you know, a lot of those movies that are on the you know the the x amount of movies you need to see before you die sort of thing. Oh yeah, and, uh, and you know some of them are some of them are good I guess, and some of them are just like what. So- some of those lead to death, I think. <laughs> they might, you know, I, so, you know, you got the you got the iconic uh like the internet movies, you know, like. They tell you you need to see like something like, and and I don't know if you like this one, but uh, the Big Lebowski is like one uh, that I yeah. always hear you got to see, and I, you know I thought it was okay. It, I didn't Me think too. it was like it, it was changed my okay. life. I'm not gonna walk around quoting it. It's just like okay, this is a, a good a decent movie, you know. It's, it's not it's something. A, it's a big part of it's a big part of stoner culture. So basically, they got a character, okay. the dude, who you know sure. is like uber referential. You know what I mean? Yeah. So. It's like a like a Bruce Campbell character where you know everyone does does quotes of the dude, you know what yeah. I mean? It's, but yeah. uh, Jeff Bridges just playing the crap out of this stoner dude, and it just took fire. But I look at you, man. I, I like I really don't care for it either, honestly. Uh, it's okay. It's but, okay, yeah. Yeah. Some people, Nothing it's like earth shaking. Then you got other ones like Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Now, I love alien movies. I love <laughs> invasion movies. I love all that stuff. I'm not too fond of like friendly alien movies. This one was just a <laughs> slow plodding, and you know what? They've got even special editions of like an extra four hundred thousand minutes of footage. Oh, <laughs> is there is there any need? Now one one that is there that I will bend down and I will say I loved it was E.T. Now okay. E.T. was the first movie I was sobbing like a little girl at a candy shop, man. <laughs> I I the first time I saw E.T. Like we didn't have a movie theater in our town, so anytime a movie was shown, it would have to be 
you know, something special. Someone would rent equipment and it would okay. be a big, oh, a big wow. ordeal for the town. Anyway, so a school board actually got a hold of a copy of E.T. and they projected it on a bed sheet at a school board office. Oh, wow. And that's how the town of Clarenville first watched E.T. And that's wild. Here's an interesting sidebar, and uh, this is for my wife who doesn't listen to the show, I'm sure. <laughs> but if one day if one day that I'm gone and she happens to, <laughs> this is a funny story. So uh, this was when I was a kid, right? Mm-hmm. Now, myself and my wife lived in the same town all our life. We never, ever crossed paths, yet we were both at this movie together. Oh, that's crazy. Yeah. How about that? How's that for a uh, unusual twist of fate? So we both talked about that years later and, you know, you know, the old E.T. on the bed sheet and years later was it was love at first sight, Chris. How about that? That's that's, <laughs> that's pretty awesome. <laughs> and, 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 one, and one more before we continue, you talk sure. about movies that I should like. There's mm-hmm. one movie in particular that just bothers me. And, and every single time, like it's one of those movies that I put on. And I'm like, yeah, I can't wait to watch this. And I get pumped up over it. And every single time I just come back and I feel defeated. And I just want to put it on again and just say that maybe I missed something was mm-hmm. Willow. You know, that one – I, I love that one the first time I saw it. I, I That was actually a Boy Scout uh, trip or a Cub go. Scout trip that we went on to see uh, Willow. And uh, I haven't watched it since, I don't think. But I remember really liking it at the time. But uh, it's one of those that I'm, like, afraid to go back and watch because I'm oh, sure Chris, it's just. I just want it to be so good. I want it to be something I like. It features, like, <laughs> all the stuff that I love. And exactly, every single. Yeah. But I, it's one of those movies that I won't admit I didn't like. Like if I was in a conversation with people like, you know, hey, hey do you like Willow? Oh, hell yeah. Oh, Obviously. Yes. <laughs> Willow. And I mean, I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, that's what that's one of my uh, hidden secrets that I'll only share with our podcast listeners. There you go. I secretly hated that crap, people. <laughs> spread it around but uh <laughs> back to the story yes the the horde are our evil evil horde they're stealing movies right and uh viking he just gives the orders he's like hey don't let any of these creeps get away and robert who's you know he's been beating up a pillow for a while he jumps into action <laughs> and he grabs a hordian who's wearing a pin that reads and spoiler alert rose rosebud is his sled Oh, my God. I think we just ruined a movie. Oh, movie history has been flatlined. Oh, man. Sorry, guys. But uh, it's Robert's fault. He went for that one, and we have to report the facts here. It's what we do on this program. But uh, Radian, he flips on a hololink, which displays the full-body image of Commander Beth Neon. And she goes about interrogating the still-conscious Hordian film enthusiast, because the other two were knocked out. There were three of them in total. And this guy ain't talking, which Neon figured was going to be the case anyway. And Robert flicks him in the head, which knocks him out because Robert is extremely (laughs) powerful. Uh, uh, Jaylene, adept, she collects more of the film reels, which includes Star Wars. That a boy. There you go. (laughs) Play it again, Sam. The day the Earth stood still. Aliens. Shane. And we have some partial titles, and I'm not much of a movie guy, so I don't know if, if these are obvious, but one of them is Somerset something. Uh, another one is Forbidden something. And the last one is My Name something. So I, I don't know what any of those are. Uh, do you Are you familiar with Somerset something? Uh, no, but Forbidden sounds like something that I found under my uh, friend's father's bed. 
that we shouldn't have been watching as kids. One of those grown-up tapes. Yeah, one of those uh, made for the adult variety, we'll say. <laughs> Outside of that, I don't recognize them. Somerset seems to remind me of something, but I just can't place it. I keep thinking I of Somerset Holmes, but I don't think there was ever a movie about Somerset Holmes. I don't know. But yeah. I tell you what, Star Wars is there, and I don't care what any of you internet trolls think. I love Star Wars. I'm a proud <laughs> Star Wars fan, and I'm gonna shout it from the rooftops, and you can all hate my guts, and I don't care. But <laughs> I've been I've been a Star Wars fan for years, and and you talk about the movie reels and all that stuff, mm-hmm. man. I remember walking into that video store and seeing the uh, the uh, CBS Fox old crappy weather beaten VHS tape <laughs> up in the corner and yeah. I rented that thing until I you know broke the reel and tried to tape it back <laughs> together and return it to the uh the furniture store <laughs> so someone else to watch it but man I I'm a huge Star Wars fan and actually uh last week when we uh, recorded the Tuesday episode uh mm. I actually had purchased tickets for opening night to see uh, the Rise of Skywalker how about them apples oh that's what December yeah, so me and okay. myself, myself and the family, just for a little bit of Chris Bailey background, hmm. we're huge Disney nerds. Uh, so we always go to like Star Wars weekends whenever we can. Okay. Uh, you know, we like to meet and greet with the characters, and it's just something we do as a family. But I've been addicted to Star Wars ever since the Marvel comics. But the only hmm. thing that I will say that is really highly touted by the Star Wars culture is, and I just don't get it, is the Dark Horse stuff, man. I don't. Okay. I just don't. I just don't get it. I mean. Hmm. It's like it's not a cohesive set of books. Like there's no real Star Wars Dark Horse book that you can follow. It's just like a a series of unrelated miniseries. Yeah. Yes, and it's like there's no beginning end. It's just like here's you know something with the bounty hunters and here's something with Han Solo's kids and I just hate it. It's just like my my my. (laughs) passionate hatred of idw books it's just like the dark horse star wars belongs in a little sword like side column of hell as far as i'm concerned so (laughs) so there you go and you know what people who the the, uh the internet trolls who love star wars and love star wars dark horse are just they hate me now i'm like an internet target now so bring bring the hate bring the hate Now, I, I only ever saw, you know, and it, it's weird when you say, like, the first three, because the first three aren't the first three anymore. But, uh, no, they're the middle three. The middle three, yeah. Th- those are the only ones I ever saw uh, of Star Wars. I never saw the prequels. Uh, hell, I never even saw the, the remasters. Uh, you know, the... Uh, those, yeah. Whatever whatever one had, like, Jabba the Hutt walking next to Han Solo and, and the dude shooting first or whatever. I never saw any of those. I just saw Ooh. the originals. Chris, and, Chris, uh, Chris. Brutal. <laughs> that Brutal. good, huh? No good. <laughs> but yeah, I, I kind of lost. Uh, I, I, you know, not to not to go too hipster or anything, but I, I liked it before it was cool. <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and then, uh, and then when it got popular, it's like, eh, oh, I kind of no. fell off. You, you did the the dirty shirt mentality. I did. I dropped it like a dirty shirt, or, it, or maybe it dropped me like a dirty. Oh, shirt, there you which, go. The which is possible. gave up on you, Chris Sheehan. It did. <laughs> Why did I leave it? No, no, no. Why did it leave me? But uh, <laughs> now they wonder. The, the back to the Strike Force here. They wonder why the Horde wanted to do with all these films. You know, what are they going to do? And uh, Commander Beth Neon's hologram posits that they might have been used as sort of a commodity in the Hordean black market. Ooh. And she also suggests that maybe the aliens could be trying to destroy Los Angel and Hollies. <laughs> Oh, easy for me to say, uh, as a way of striking back at the Morituri. 
And uh, either both of those sound good to me. Uh, also, they're probably very bored between attacks, so they might want to watch some of them. So you never know. Uh, they might want to get pointers from a th- from close encounters or something. Uh, <laughs> now, while the team talks, Robert just leaps away, and he's holding this Hordian hostage, the one that won't talk. He just jumps away with him, and <laughs> nobody questions it. It's like, oh, Robert left with him. And, okay. Uh, he returns without him. And he assures his teammates, <laughs> he's like, he's like, no, nah, don't worry about it. The, that alien has given up looting for good. Don't worry about it. We had a nice long talk and it's all good. Now, <laughs> I got a funny feeling that Robert uh, enjoys beating the horde almost too much. A little too much. He's getting a little dark. But uh, now adept Jaylene, she hops into the Hordian craft because, of course, they were going to take these film reels back with them so she hops into the hordian craft and she analyzes the rig in order for the team to you know maybe take control of this thing and uh use it to sneak through the horde's orbital monitoring cordon you know maybe they can just mix in with the rest of the horde ships and do a little bit of a sneak attack now Mm. it doesn't take her too long to do this and so the team boards the horde craft and prepares for this sneak attack on the baddies now, as they take off, we can see that the alien that uh, Robert had talked to is uh, beheaded in an alley. He's actually holding his own head, and uh, the words <laughs> fight and die are written on the wall in its blood. Yikes. So, yeah, Robert ain't screwing around. He is uh, The darkening of Robert has begun. Absolutely. Uh, he is a very, very, very troubled young man. Now, in space... Everything seems to be going fine. Our strike force, Murray Turi, is headed straight for the Hordian base and will have the element of surprise on their side. You know, everything is going great. The Horde will never see them coming because they're thinking that this ship's coming in full of video. You know, they, it's like, oh, we get to watch E.T., so come on in. <laughs> but then Harold has a little bit of a hot flash. He starts to sweat and his his hand begins to smoke and smolder a little bit. Then we get a close-up on his face, and the iris in his eye, like, shatters a little bit. It comes apart, and uh, suddenly, like, the sides of his head are surrounded by a little bit of that old Kirby crackle, you know? If you're familiar with Jack Kirby art, you know the Kirby crackle. It's, it's, you know, hard to miss. And then, Harold explodes. For reals this time, people. For reals. So, Harold Everson a.k.a. Viking, our point-of-view character and arguably the star of this book is dead. This it is... Killed Harold. This is actually shocking. Like, Yes. This rarely happens. The, you know, the last time that I've seen it was quite recently mm-hmm. when they killed uh, Rick Grimes in The Walking Dead, the main character, and that was a super shock, too. But that was le- that was leading to the end of the book. But, I mean, this literally – you're six issues in, and you this kill your start. main character out of the, out of the gate. Yeah. This yeah, is I mean, unheard he- of. This is unheard of. Like, this is, like, shocking. Because he, he is our touchstone, you know? He's like the character that we can almost, like, insert ourselves into because he's like the, the, like the great observer. You know, he's the observer and the documenter of everything going on in the Murituri universe. And now he's dead. So he was only dictating for the trade as well. <laughs> only one trade. <laughs> so i mean what's more here he you know he does they're on a ship right they're on an uh, on an alien craft here and this this dude explodes 
which blows a hole in the side of the craft. So his death threatens to suck the rest of the team out into airless space, you know, the vacuum of space. Luckily, Robert is very strong and he manages to mangle the craft's metallic body in a way where it closes up the hole. And then Aileen uses her melty powers to kind of weld the ship together, you know, so they're saved. Then Jaylene uses her powers in order to figure out how to right the ship because the ship is just going all over the place and she's got to engage thrusters that she has never engaged before in her life. And uh, Lewis, Radian, he's well, he's there too, we guess. He doesn't do a damn thing, but he's there. <laughs> and that's all that matters. Now, Aileen, just like last week, she begins to cry, you know, because they lost Lorna and now they lost Harold. You know, they're down to they're down to just the four of them. And uh, Robert just can't believe it. He, he's, he even says, like, you know, leaders, leaders don't die. They don't leave the followers lost. You know, this is like you mentioned, this is unheard of. This is Literally. just how do you how do you wrap your head around this happening? And uh, Lewis, uh, he suggests they turn back. <laughs> Let's go back to Earth because this is just this ain't our day, you know, and uh you might look at him as a little bit of a coward, but I, I kind of agree with him. It's, yeah, I maybe, agree. Maybe it's time to just call it a day, you know? Uh, Jaylene ain't feeling it. She says that Harold would have wanted them to carry on. Lewis tries to stand his ground, but he is outvoted completely. Uh, Aileen and Robert side with Jaylene, and uh, when, when asked, you know, what do we do? Robert says, we fight and die. <laughs> That's well, they're all... they're doing a great job of the second half of that thing. <laughs> they sure are. Boy, now, oh boy. with that all settled and behind them, the strike force is interrupted by a call from an oncoming Hordian warship. Now, since none of our heroes speak Hordian, not even Jaylene, they don't respond. Okay, so then the Horde sends a scout out to take a look <laughs> into the ship. <laughs> that so goes this, well. So the scout floats over there. I don't know what you call a windshield on a spaceship, but it's their windshield. <laughs> and uh, Marathon tells Radian, you know, use your powers and blind that sucker. And so he does, which is basically all Radian has ever done on the, in this book so far. We we gave Jaylene the, the short shrift on her power, but Radian just blinds people. That's <laughs> literally all he does. And then back over to Robert, he tells Jaylene to ram that sucker with the ship. So... Kind of looks like Bobby's coming into his own as a, maybe a leader himself, ah. which is kind of interesting. Crazy Bobby. It's true. Now, realizing that they just blew the element of surprise, Lewis asks one more time. <laughs> hey, guys, you want to call it a day and go back to Earth? But again, he is outvoted. Nobody else wants to go back. And our issue concludes with Jaylene saying a little prayer to herself, and the team presses ever forward toward the Horde HQ. Man. <sighs> Jesus be with you, Robert. <laughs> uh, that's, that's an, I mean, this is just, there hasn't been a dull moment in this book yet. You know, it's like every time you think we're going to get a little bit of a lull, th- th- you know, we just get kicked in the ass. Yeah. The, and like you said, in the the last time we recorded it, uh, last Tuesday, um, you know, some of the books start out slow. So, you know, sure. it's it's deceptive. But these things end with a, like a grenade oh, in your pocket. Absolutely. Boom. 
people are dying left and right. There's not a minute of downtime. The horde are literally being slaughtered by the moratorium now at this point. Mm, it's just wild, man. Man. And, and and again, we get a, just like like every issue so far, we're getting like this real creative use of the moratorium pa- power set. You know, we we mentioned uh, last time that. You know, th- th- these guys, uh, they, they kind of don't look like they have complementary powers. You know, it's just like weird random powers. But here, if not for these exact powers, plus Lewis, they would have all died. You know, Robert had the strength to pull the ship together and uh, Aileen was able to weld it with her powers. And Jaylene was able to write the ship with her adaptive powers. And, and, and lewis you know just really looked suave and cool uh he kept the lights on he did keep the lights on he did indeed (laughs) but uh just such a creative way of uh utilizing just these weird random powers in a way that like melds into like this beautiful soup you know (laughs) where everything just uh everything just bolsters everything else up it's just uh so creative Really just like a master class in writing, you know, team fiction here, team meta superhero fiction. You know, it's awesome stuff. It is incredible stuff. Well, well written, uh, written for a team. Like you said, uh, yeah. this this is teamwork done right. This is not just individual powers. This is not an individual story. This is a team effort. Everybody gets showcased like a little bit. At a, it's like Vince Russo writing it. Like everybody gets everybody a part. Everybody has you know? a bit. Yep. And it's great. I, you know, I, I just love the crap out of this book. And issue six really was that sucker punch, the real capper to end literally this arc. Yeah. And, and last week we uh, we read a little bit from uh, one of the listeners who said that he spoke to Peter Gillis about this issue. And uh, Gillis even said that the bullpen themselves were shocked that they that they did that they went this route. And uh, it's one of those things where it's like, I wish I was just uh, I was into comics a little earlier you know where i could have uh where i could have experienced this it during you know the gestalt of it oh, when it was coming oh out. me too me too but you know what reading rereading it it i can't can't believe how much i actually forgot about this book and i can't That's wait true. to get into the uh the uh the later books because some of those things i just haven't read so you sure. know this is this is progressing very nicely for me and and it's funny this is a little behind the curtain here but uh I remember I sent you a DM a few weeks ago and I said, uh, because we, we both knew Harold was going to die. Uh, we both, that that's one of the things that we remembered, you know? And, uh, I sent you a DM and I'm like, I can't believe Harold wasn't the first one to die. And you're like, don't tell me, don't tell me. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, I just, I just couldn't remember the placement of it. I knew uh, yeah, it I, happened, but I, I had no idea it was issue six. Yeah. Yeah. It's so weird. And uh, cause because I forgot that Lorna died first, and because I, I thought that everything was building to Harold's death being the first death. Absolutely. And it's just so uh, this book just it could just it catches you from by, by you know by surprise here you know it's like when you're looking like when you're looking to the right a little bit it, it, it comes in you know it just it just invades the whites of your eyes you know when you're not looking at it it hits you, and it's a. Uh, it's just some amazing stuff here. It's uh, can't can't say enough to good things about it. And uh, I mean, and the marriage here. I mean, there was a little bit of a misstep between the writing and the art early on, just as a little bit of a, discom- a miscommunication, maybe. But the, this art serves this uh, this storytelling uh, perfectly. It's oh, just, absolutely! I couldn't the imagine character- anyone else. 
the characters, they don't give everyone like you're not seeing perfection. What I like about it is that these characters are not drawn like like beautiful statuesque people. Like they've got this isn't their Jim own Lee poses. No, yeah. They've they've got their flaws. Like Aileen has like a bigger nose. Like sure. Robert looks like uh who's that who's that actor you always say he Joe, looks uh, like Joe Piscopo. Joe Piscopo, you know what I mean? <laughs> like they've all got this really strange individual look about them. And I really like that. Yeah, going back to like our very first episode where we talked about like the made for TV movies where it's not the A-listers, you know, it's the ones that you may never see again or maybe it's the ones on their way down. It's that's this team. <laughs> it know? is literally. It's awesome. <laughs> Great, great issue, man. I can't say enough about it. Oh, absolutely, wonderful stuff here. So of course we're gonna we're gonna ask the uh, Mori Turi Monday faithful to uh, send their thoughts, prayers, wishes, anything you have here for uh, poor Harold. Uh, and we, we will we will make sure that those messages get passed along to Harold in our next episode, where you'll be able to hear your eulogies live over the air. Absolutely. Now. As always, we learned a heck of a lot about our team, but uh, what else did we learn about, you know, oh boy. January 1987-ish? Why not? Uh, well, we don't get any kind of bullpen bulletins. Marvel didn't see fit to include <laughs> any. So no words of wisdom from Jim Shooter for two months in a row. I, maybe he wasn't feeling too wise. I don't know. Or no, maybe he's saving Jim, it Jim for his Sh- book. Jim Shooter at this time is going through the paces and the disruption of the new universe. So this is this is the uh, the tail end of the shooter regime we're seeing here. So it's true. It's it's an unfortunate ending, but uh, everything has to end, I suppose, including, you know, our man Harold here. He came to an ending, too. So instead of, you know, going through the bullpen bulletins, which don't exist in this issue, we're going to go back to Mike's Amazing World to read some more Marvel standouts that were on sale in January 1987. Now we have uh, picking, you know, picking up from, from last week's episode, we have Incredible Hulk number 330, which features the first Todd McFarlane art in that book, which is pretty cool, I guess. It is pretty cool, yeah. Uh, yeah. Hulk looks like a little bit of a flathead, but I kind of dig McFarlane's <laughs> interpretation. It, it's like it, it's almost like that melding of Hulk and Frankenstein, you know? Yeah, it's, that's you're you're right on the money, exactly. Yeah. Right. We have X-Factor number 15. In this issue, Angel, Warren Worthington III, has his wings amputated. I remember and, this one. This was like mm-hmm. trauma for me as a kid. And it had such a cool cover because it was just like – it was like just a baby blue cover with Angel on it with like the, the little Ghostbusters, you know, yes. <laughs> symbol on it. It's, a, it's really cool stuff. And at the end of that issue, it seems like Warren actually kills himself. You know, he, yep. his wings got gangrene and they had to get cut off and he's got nothing to live for at the end. And he kills himself. And, uh, yeah, he eventually comes back with evil wings. So Ooh. spoiler alert. Um, Peter Porker, the spectacular Spider-Ham number 15, comes with a cover. Yes, homage. Sir. Yes, to Amazing Spider-Man number 50's Spider-Man No More. So he's kind of like walking away from, you know, the, the, the over the overshadowed costume sort of thing. Man, I love I love Star Comics. I love them. I got I got to try some more. I got a stack of them, and I'm sure I haven't read them in forever. But uh, that's one thing I, I probably ought to do. I to check out. They're fun. Uh, some of those, yeah. We have a GI Joe, a real American hero, number fifty-eight, which introduced us to the all-new silver-armored Cobra Commander. 
this is the first is- first 50 issues of Marvel G.I. Joe are mm-hmm. some of the best comics you're ever going to read. Sure. Uh, after 50, it slowly, progressively falls off a cliff into the ocean, into the mouth of a shark. <laughs> it's chewed up and spit out. And the, the new... The new silver armored uh, Cobra Commander is just the tip of the iceberg. I liked it at the time, mm. but man, this just took a deep dive and like literally a jump the shark moment. It is, yeah. And you know, when I when I was collecting uh, GI Joes, it's funny. You know, you think about they don't sell real, they don't really sell GI Joes nowadays unless there's like a movie coming out. But uh, the last like the last gasp of GI Joes where they were like putting out like the two packs and stuff, like probably mid two thousands or so it's like every single two pack had like a, had a Cobra commander in it or a snake eyes in it. So like it didn't take you much to, to find one, you know, and growing up you'd only get like a snake eyes every two or three years. So you might not have a snake eyes. You might have to go to like down to a neighbor's house because he had the snake eyes and you had the Duke or he had the Destro and you had the Serpentor, you know, it's right. And you, you had you to had, meld. You, you had to like, wait till he went to the kitchen, stick it in your pocket and leave right away. <laughs> oh, wait a minute. I mean, Maury Terry Mondays does not condone the theft. of GI Joe's, <laughs> but it's like, but like you, if you wanted to have like the ultimate battle, you needed to like invite kids over your house because you all had different guys, you know, where, Nowadays, or before they stopped selling them, it's like you could always get a Cobra Commander or a Snake Eyes. And this Silver Cobra Commander was the first Cobra Commander I ever got Uh, because I could could never get the old one. You know, I I started collecting, I guess, a little bit too late or I just missed it or I just didn't get it. I think I got Destro instead because Destro looks a lot cooler. Oh, yeah. And uh, totally, totally. And uh, the only one I could get was the Silver Cobra Commander, which – I, I I hated because it wasn't the one I wanted. Absolutely. Another book that came out in January 1987 is Fallen Angels number one, which is that uh, <laughs> garbage. <laughs> yeah, it's it's that New Mutant spinoff miniseries we discussed a little bit last week. It's very dull, uh, often conflated with Exterminators, which is also very dull. Uh, this was actually originally going to be called The Misfits, and it was also originally slated to have a follow-up that thankfully never happened. Sure. Yeah, and that's uh, those are the standouts from Mike's Amazing World for uh, January of 1987 Marvel. Uh, from here, we could jump into the ads. I think last time we talked about cash for prizes. This time, we got Captain O, his, uh, his arch yeah. rival. And, you know, did you ever call Captain O? No, but I also I always wanted to call Edith down in the corner because it always said ask for Edith, and I thought she was always <laughs> alluringly attractive. I always oh, wanted to pick up the phone and just call her and say, "Hey, Edith, hey, I just want to." Are you wearing that little crown thing? <laughs> <laughs> Can you wear that crown for me, baby? <laughs> <laughs> and, and you know, we we looked at the uh, the the cash for prizes thing last time, and it's like you look at this one, and they all have this they all have the same stuff. Yes, it literally it's just it's just the same old garble. I mean, I, I honestly think they didn't have any of these prizes and they just took shots of crap that was in the store. And <laughs> you, you knew you were not going to sell enough of this and you're only going to get like a rubber balloon or something attached to a string. And who, who knows? It's like, it's like <laughs> when you like when you were a kid and you were like went to like the Chuck E. Cheese or whatever the Chuck E. Cheese approximation was. And you'd play like the ski ball and you would get tickets. Yes. And it's like. 
no matter how many tickets you got, all you were able to afford was like the Dracula teeth, you know? Oh, yeah, yeah, oh, exactly. <laughs> Meanwhile, up in the corner, they had like a PlayStation and stuff right? that was completely <laughs> unachievable. Yeah, on, only 7 billion points, which is Man. analogous to like 8,000 actual dollars. <laughs> hey, you know what? If any of our listeners uh, know Edith and, and, <laughs> and she's well, willing to come on our Edith. show, I, we would love, <laughs> yes, if you are Edith, please come on our show and just chat with us about your your adventures with captain o it's and it's funny because i i was doing a little research on uh on old comic ads a couple years ago for dc in the 80s and i actually did a bit of research on captain o and uh like they had to they couldn't call him captain olympic anymore because of like copyrights and stuff and uh i actually found like people's stories of selling door to door for captain o and Ooh. a lot of them said they never got the prizes. And <laughs> it's just so crazy. And and I think they actually still exist in some sort of way right now. Uh, I don't think it's the same as it was, but uh, I think there is still something of a Captain O sales club sort of a situation, which uh, which we might want to look into maybe. Weird. Maybe supplement our uh, our income here, but uh, Captain O and Edith are on a beach somewhere with the bag. <laughs> Elvis is giving them a private concert. <laughs> now, also in this issue, we have some house ads, or a house ad that we're going to discuss. Uh, Grew the Wanderer. Yes, sir. Sergio mm-hmm. Aragones. Love, love, love Sergio from Mad Magazine, especially. Mm-hmm. And no, nobody draws, like, I mean, it's a very cartoony style, obviously, sure. that Aragones draws. But if you saw his splash pages or his double page spreads when he's doing like a large scene with a lot of stuff going on, nobody does detail like Aragonis. Maddeningly de- detailed. He yeah. is crazy. He's got so much going on the page. It's obscene. Grew to Wanderer, for those who don't know what it is, it's like a cartoony Conan the Barbarian. Yep. And he's like uh, he's like a bumbling, fumbling, you know, fun type of character. It's a comedy book. But uh, the amount of uh, pure killing and massacres that happens in this book oh, yeah. is unbelievable. So Gru kills at least a million people every issue, and it's <laughs> it's just fun. It's I love it. And it's one of the reasons why uh, Jim Shooter tried uh, starting up the epic line. It was like Gru the Wanderer and uh, Ronin, Frank Miller's Ronin, yeah. were the did, two things that he wanted. Didn't uh, Gru like, last well over 100 issues? Like, oh, what, yeah, it did. Man. Yeah. Wow. It did, and uh, I remember Shooter. It was kind of a bone of contention because he promised Sergio, uh, you know, full creative uh, control, full ownership of his character, and Sergio went to Pacific Comics instead at first, and then uh-huh. Pacific went out of business, and he came over to Marvel's yeah, Epic. He- he was in Destroyer Duck, Destroyer Duck number one. Yep. Yeah, that was his first appearance. Yeah. Yeah, I have that. Yep, me too. Yeah, that was uh, Gru's first uh, first comic appearance was in Destroyer Duck number one, and uh, I just I just love that story where it's like Shooter like tries to like bend the will of Sergio and Frank Miller, and they both are just like nope. <laughs> it's like <laughs> what? <laughs> it's like you, you just you just uh, you know no good deed goes unpunished, I guess. But uh, <laughs> uh, we have another one. We have an actual interactive ad here. It's a Chips Ahoy Betcha Bite a Chip Maze. Oh, so Chris, uh, I yeah. used to love these interactive ones, but the oh, only yeah. thing that the only thing that I would found is that when I used to like deep dive in bins for books and all that stuff of back issues, every single time I'd find you know an issue of a comic I'd want, and somebody would have somebody that damn maze uh, filled out. It's, it's <laughs> maddening. <laughs> 
You son of a bitch. You filled in the maze. <laughs> yep. You ruined yeah. it for all of us. Oh. And now, the, now this book is only worth a quarter. <laughs> the book I found in the quarter bin is only worth a quarter, damn it. Oh, no good. But this one's interesting because, like, the maze is – like, the walls of the maze are, like – you have, like, real walls. But then you also have chocolate chips blocking your way. So, like, the whole thing is avoiding the chips, which it's impossible to do with something like a Chips Ahoy because there's, they're so full of chips. Wow. And, uh, you know, if you – having a Chips Ahoy cookie is very different when you're a kid and when you're a grown-up. When you're a kid, it's like, oh, it's a really good cookie. But when you're a grown up, it's like, oh, what is this? You know, it's like <laughs> it's like a cardboard disc with like a chocolate flavoring on it. You know, what, what, what I used to think, though, what was hilarious was that, you know, they used to brag about having the most chocolate chips. And then they <laughs> added extra chips, which is basically oh, yeah. chocolate with like cookie chunks in it. <laughs> <laughs> That's all that was left. <laughs> and, you, you, you know, the thing. Growing up in New York, it was one thing to have those. But if you buy them in Arizona, where I'm living now, you can never get anything chocolatey in Arizona and have it stay. Yeah. Oh, God. You know, I haven't had an actual uh, Reese's peanut butter cup that hasn't been in pieces in like 20 years, because no matter what time of year, this thing has melted a little bit. It's just the worst. But uh, yeah, those are uh, those are the first world problems of a of a chocolate addict in Arizona, I guess. But uh, no, the final ad we got is you might want to go to a doctor because you got ugly balls. Now these ugly come from balls. yeah, these come from Bonkers candy, which is that kind of like fruit candy with like a even fruitier center somehow. <laughs> I did enjoy and Bonkers myself and my brother consumed a a metric truckload of Bonkers back in the day. Absolutely. They're like, uh, they're kind of like a taffy, a chewy sort of thing. It's a, it's really good stuff. And, uh, the commercials were a hoot because an old lady would get crushed by giant fruit every time. So that was pretty cool. But now these ugly balls, it's got kind of like a green dude, like a green Fabio looking guy. Almost like a He-Man. Yeah. But green and like the ball, this ball is like shooting out of his groin (laughs) and it looks very, very pleased to do so. (laughs) <laughs> and 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 it's, if you send ten bonkers labels, you know you'll get your ugly you'll get your ugly balls. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> he was shooting his ugly balls off. He there was you go. Shooting his ugly balls. And you know, just so you know what a UPC code looks like, they actually include one here, but with a big void sticker over it. So you, oh. can't, you can't use that. So sorry, you actually need to buy ten bonkers to get this. What's but, crazy uh, about that is that this ad was everywhere. I mean, this oh, was yeah. on about a billion and a half comics, and mm-hmm. it's actually like literally advertising a knockoff toy. That's it, because Ugly Balls are a knockoff of Mad Balls, if you Absolutely. remember those. Actually, the the actual ball that's shown there is actually Skullface from Mad Balls. From Mad Balls, yeah. It's literally Skullface. <laughs> I'm just like, holy cow, not only is this a ripoff on a billion comics, but they probably got more press with Ugly Balls than Mad Balls ever got with that one ad. I'm sure of it. I'm sure holy of it. Because I, I, I actually had to look up Mad Balls because it was in my head as something that existed, but I wasn't sure. Like, I'm like, am I, am I, were they actually Ugly Balls? Maybe they were Ugly Mad Balls, Mad Ugly Balls. Oh, no, they were and Mad I, Balls. They were. And, uh, yeah, it's so crazy that this knockoff – is like more ingrained into my mind. I, I couldn't picture a Mad Balls ad if I tried. <laughs> I only had one Mad Ball back in the day. So did it I. The, yep. It was the one with the brains coming out, Bash Brain. That's the only oh, one wow. I ever had. 
Yeah. I had one that was purple. I don't know what it was called, though. It kind of looked like a My Pet Monster. I don't remember its name, but it, it had like, I think it had like big fangs and it was purple. Oh, and you I, had, uh, yeah, it was, he sort of got like one eye. Yes. Uh, uh, Hornhead. Hornhead. Oh, That's exactly who you had. Absolutely. <laughs> it's wild. <laughs> but yeah, I only had the one and uh, they were incredibly cheap. <laughs> they were. They were super they were cheap. And, and well, ugly balls were free is when you bought bonkers. So there you it's go. True. Even cheaper. Man. <laughs> Crazy. Now, you are a, a, a an aficionado of the toy knockoff, correct? Oh, man. Part of toy collecting that is so fun is getting the knockoffs. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I love G.I. Joe and I love Star Wars, but, man, there's sure. nothing like getting rip-off G.I. Joe and Star Wars figures. They're like the ultimate red shirts. Yep. You know, it don't matter. You can abuse them. You can throw them off buildings. You you, you just don't care about them. You know what I mean? <laughs> so they're the ones that would, you know, get in Luke's X-Wing and like fly off the side of the bed and crash into the wall. You know what I mean? You just didn't care if they broke. And these are really great. And the ultimate one that I remember as a kid and I found it, I used to go on a, uh, a truck delivering groceries with my dad back in the day to make some <laughs> money. And uh, I specifically remember the ultimate Power Rangers ripoff. So Power Rangers had just come out, Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. And over in the corner, there was a set and there was like three Power Rangers, like bubble wrapped with just this complete garbage background. that looked like it was (laughs) drawn by a five-year-old and they were called Mega Murphine, M-U-R-P-H-E-E-N, Turbo Rangers. Oh, love it. <laughs> Mega Murphine Turbo Rangers. And I have tried to track these things down. It's just, it's burned and etched into my mind. So if anyone has ever seen the Mega Murphine Turbo Rangers, please tweet me with that, please. For the love of God. I've actually, Mega I've actually got, yeah. Oh. Me- Mega Mega Murphine Turbo Rangers, and I loved all kinds of knockoffs. So I was a big He-Man fan, and I love collecting Galaxy Warriors, which was oh, basic. Yeah, basically He-Man like meets wrestlers. So they they played well with like the AWA style wrestlers. Oh, the they Remcos, were, yeah. Yeah, they were they were just like Remcos, except they were like a purple guy with like a uh, ponytail on his head, and another That's guy great. that looked exactly like Hulk Hogan, and you know the ones. <laughs> oh they, yeah. They, they they all looked the same, and they had the same like ripped body. Every one of them had the same body and the same pose. You know what oh, I mean? It's great. But I actually have, if you're into Pinterest, and don't judge me, I'm a pinner, uh, <laughs> over on Charlton Heroes Pinterest board, you can actually go to Bootlegger's Paradise, and you're going to see hundreds of fun knockoffs. And I mean, there's such great ones like Robert Cop 2. Yes, Robert Cop. Robert Cop. Love it. <laughs> now, you may say, what is Robert Cop? It's exactly what you think. <laughs> no, you, uh, you are a big Masters of the Universe fan. I, I... Do you know anything about Wonder Bread He-Man? Oh, my God. So Wonder Bread He-Man is like one of the ultimate. Uh, like Holy Grails, right? Yeah, oh, my God. I, I think he even has different color hair. If I'm not mistaken, I think he's a black-haired He-Man. He's brown and, hair, yeah. Yeah, brown hair, yeah. And, uh, yeah, he came with Wonder Bread. And this guy is, like, mega obscure. It's a, it is literally the holy grail of He-Man collecting for sure. And, I don't and, have I don't have the guy, but and there's there's even talk of it being a Mandela effect, like this thing never actually existed, mm. like like it was just a a dummied up thing that someone was trying to sell on eBay or something, and uh, and and people remembered it. it that, it's weird. That could be. I've 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 only read about it. I've never ever physically seen one or heard of anyone Same actually here. one. 
Yes, so I maybe, saw a video on it, but I never actually saw it in like real life. But I know that as like a like an in joke, they actually released a character called Wondar. Who oh, comes, yes, and yes. he comes with a loaf of bread. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. That's that awesome. <laughs> I wonder. I wonder. Does this particular uh, Wonder Bread He Man is he actually a genie? And uh, he, <laughs> you press a button on his back, and he says, "Hello, Clarice." <laughs> <laughs> and uh and it's it's a uh, it's actually h a man ha man not he man like berenstain oh, oh boy oh man <laughs> <laughs> but i think that'll uh i think that'll do it for uh for episode six the end of the first arc actually we're not even done with an arc but we are done with a big the main part of the first six issues here harold Absolutely. is dead harold is gone Crazy. and uh oof but, uh, you know, if you guys want to reach out and tell us what you think of poor Harold and uh, what poor Harold's poor parents are going to think about their son becoming a dead man, literally, uh, definitely reach out to us at uh, weirdcomicshistory at gmail.com. Maybe you own Madballs. Maybe you own Wonder Bread He-Man. Or Maybe... Ugly Balls. Maybe you have Ugly Balls. <laughs> you might have Ugly <laughs> Balls. And uh, we could probably uh, we could probably refer you somewhere to get that uh, cleaned up. Uh, if you are Edith or if you're Captain Olympic. I mean, whatever. You know, we want to hear from you. If you've ever worked for Captain Olympic, we Ooh. definitely want to hear from you. We want to know you if get you your got prize? your prize. Yes. Did you get that microscope that didn't work? We want to know. <laughs> Did you get the AM, FM, transceiver radio? We want to know. Or uh, are so you def- on a beach with Edith holding the bag? You might be. <laughs> <laughs> no, you can get us on Twitter. It's probably easier to get us on Twitter because we look at that more often. I am at Ace Comics and I am at Charlton underscore hero. Absolutely. And uh, you could find me at Chris's on infinite And of course, all the pro- fine programming at Chris and Reggie.com. And where can they find you? They can find me on the Superhero Satellite. I'll save you the trouble and won't give you the long URL. Just Google Superhero Satellite or Charlton Hero and you will find me. Uh, And this time I'm actually going to uh, brag up my Pinterest board. So if you are a comic book fan, wrestling fan, movie fan, uh, Charlton Hero's Pinterest is loaded to the gills with all kinds of retro goodness. So check me out over on Pinterest. Fantastic, and I and I have been including your uh, your URL into the show notes, but I will do the uh, Pinterest boards as well this time out. And uh, we would like to thank you so so much for hanging out with us uh, during this very trying time for our team, because uh, it's you know it's always darkest before the dawn, but I uh, I think it's probably going to get a lot darker before uh, daybreak <laughs> happens yeah, here for uh, for our fine uh, Mori Turi uh, soldiers here, but. Uh, Definitely. Thank you so, so much for hanging out. We appreciate all the listens, all the feedback. The feedback has been, uh, I don't want to say staggering because, uh, because, you know, I, I shouldn't be staggered by this, but I'm, I'm excited when I find out like a single person has listened because I, (laughs) I I don't think anybody's listening and it's, uh, it's always just, uh, a wonderful uh, surprise and, and an absolute treat to know that, uh, people are following along and people are enjoying this and hopefully people are, you know they're meeting and int- being introduced and discovering Strike Force Moritari because it's a it's a hell of a book that doesn't get near enough play. So uh, thank you all so so much for hanging out, uh, and uh, we will talk to you again real soon. Take care, everybody. See ya. <laughs> <laughs>